0: you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 13. Um, I want to read just a few verses to you and just talk about them with you. Uh, And hope that what we say today that you will talk about today and tomorrow as you celebrate this wonderful holiday in celebration of the, the birthday of our nation. But you'd use it as an opportunity just not to eat, although I'm all for eating, but that you would talk about some of these things with your children, and your grandchildren, your friends, and say, you know, and you'd just do more than just eat. But remember why we get to celebrate, above all things, okay? Uh, I want to, that blank page you have, I want you to write across the top of it for a title, The Touch of God. The Touch of God. The text is going to be Second Kings chapter 13, beginning with verse 14. When Elisha, that great prophet of God, became sick, with the illness that he died from, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Now, Jehoash was not, he was a young king, but he was very compromising. He wasn't one who truly embraced following God with all his heart. He followed the the problems and the, the failings of his father, uh, the previous king, he was weak. He, he lacked enthusiasm and he lacked diligence. And he has heard the word that the prophet of God, Elisha, which was the symbol and the person who God used to, to work through the nation of Israel. The prophet was, was God's hands and mouth, if you will, visibly to the people. And he was dying. And upon this, uh, Jehoash was concerned. And because he realized if the prophet died, I'm probably going to be in serious trouble. So he goes down and he starts lamenting on the fact that he had inherited a depleted army from his father. We don't have the chariots we used to have. We don't have the horsemen we used to have. We don't have the resources we used to have. And basically what he was saying is, what am I going to do? And now that you're dying, what am I going to do? Elisha responded, take a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. And then Elisha said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So the king put his hand on it. Now, this was not an uncommon teaching. And, and uh, God used symbols and, and hands-on teaching all the time to communicate truth and understanding of spiritual principles and application. So uh, Elisha is going to say, take something as simple as a bow, which is very realistic and very real, a symbol of war, if you will. He says, I want you to take and put your hand on the bow. Now, if you know anything about a bow and arrow, you've got the main part of the bow, which is the strength of the bow. You have the arrow, you pull back with the strength of the limbs of the bow, and it sends the arrow flying. Well, he said, I want you to put your hand to the bow, king. And the king would put his hand on the bow and and uh push pull the string back and 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 fire the arrow. The problem is the king wasn't necessarily very capable at that. Probably unsure of what was going on or what the lesson was. And so look what else happens. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. That's important. Elisha said, open these window. And so he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. So he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike down the Arameans and Aphek until you have put an end to them. Then Elisha said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to them. But now you will only strike down Aaron three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. He had said to the king, the king didn't listen, wasn't paying attention. When he fired the first arrow, he said, that is the arrow of victory. Now shoot some more. And the king should have shot all the arrows he had available to him right then and there. He shot three. He said, okay, you're going to get three victories. You could have had five or six victories. What is this all about? What is this strange story about? It is about the touch of God. When Elisha put his hand on the hand of the king, he was symbolizing the touch of God on the nation of Israel. And even on this king's reign to do and accomplish God's purpose, even though this king's heart was not after God, but there was a touch of God to be applied. My concern today is I don't think we realize how much we need the touch of God in our personal life, in our family life, in our married life, in our church life, and in our nation. It's almost like we have become self-reliant in how we approach life and life's problems and life's difficulties, and we don't seem to realize the necessity for the touch of God. And I'm tragically, I believe many times we don't want the touch of God on our lives. And yet the truth is, without the touch of God, we will accomplish nothing worthwhile. And we'll find ourselves struggling with that which we cannot conquer. As the king was looking at Aram and realizing, I can't beat them. I don't have my resources I used to have. And what Elisha was trying to teach him was, you've got God's resources available. When his touch is upon your life. Is his touch upon your life today? Well, let's take a look at it and see. I I look at our nation, and I'm very concerned about what I see in our country. There seems to be no desire for the touch of God to operate in our leadership in our governing probabilities and in our challenges as a nation. No one asks for God's help. No one seeks God's help. It's interesting, on July the 4th in 1776, according to our American history, our founding fathers signed a document called the Declaration of Independence from British Tyranny. Yet, when uh, they declared independence from Great Britain, they also strongly declared dependence on God. Now, they don't talk about that much nowadays. We don't want to go visit that much in our history. But as these men came together and formed this document, over much time and consideration and discussion, they said, we want to exchange sovereignties. We want to be independent of the sovereignty of England. Remember, we want to be under the sovereignty of God. Now, I understand, and if you know much about the, our, our founding fathers, they were not all, quote, Christian as you would describe them. Some were deist. There was varying beliefs of God in the sense of uh, Jewish and Christian understanding. But they had this one thing in common. They believed the only hope of the nation surviving what it must survive was in the hands of God or the touch of God on their nation. That's very clear. As a matter of fact, four times they appealed to God and expressed their reliance upon Him, which will be dependence. Consequently, our founding fathers did not believe in a separation of God from government, rather that it would all depends on Him if it is to succeed. I am troubled today that we take a private, private letter written by Thomas Jefferson and declare it as some kind of government declaration of a wall of separation between church and state. I've never seen something more misused and abused in my life. It was a private letter desiring to communicate that there should be a separation from the government imposing its preference of religion on the people. Because if you recall in American history, the reason, one of the reasons leaving England was to have religious freedom, to get away from, quote, the Church of England and that which was basically promoted and required by the government. They said, we want to be able to choose. And so Thomas Jefferson saying there should never be a point where the government, imposes a denomination, a belief on the people. But never was he intended that God should not be a part of government. We struggle today because we lack the touch of God in our nation and in our leadership. Although I think there are many fine men and women that that do know the Lord and, and love the Lord, uh, they seem to be drowned out by those who want to distance themselves from any connection with God. I see this, and it troubles me deeply, because we need the touch of God. If we're going to see the resolutions and the uh, and, uh, remedies to our dilemmas, we need the touch of God. We need it in the nation. We need it in our churches. Our churches have become way too comfortable on our own without the touch of God and even our own lives. I'll ask you this. Does your life bear the touch of God? You see, if we're going to be what we're supposed to be as a church and as a people of God, we need to have the touch of God that brings transformation to our lives and therefore we see it bring transformation to the lives of others. And we no longer remain the same. So we need the touch of God in our lives. Now in doing that, Elisha is trying to say, you just need God's touch. We need his touch because of the warfare we face today. I think there's a cultural war. The cultural war is simply uh, the ideas and philosophies that, that range uh, from one extreme to the other. There is the cultural war that says that there's the philosophy of socialism is the best way to do government versus capitalism or Marxism, even uh, another option. Incidentally, those uh, socialism has been a part of thinking for a long time in our colleges and universities. There's a cultural war. The cultural war between the conservative and the liberal or the right and the left. These are very real wars of difference of ideology and the extremities of each. The touch of God is very needed. The moral war of what is right and wrong. It's amazing what is no longer considered sin today. That which offends God, we don't want to declare. There's a war over what's right and what's wrong. There is a spiritual war that takes place in our private lives, in our family lives, in our churches, and in our world. That which is between the light and the dark. The people of God, the purpose of God, fighting against the darkness. It's all very real. So what about this touch that needs to happen it's a very real touch for a king who was weak and lacked enthusiasm and the ability to make decisions. Elisha said, you've got to have a touch of God. We need the touch of God in our lives to be all we're supposed to be as a people, a parent, a spouse, a minister. Man, I need it in my life. I need to hunger and thirst after the touch of God on me. When we have the touch of God, there's three things, and I just, you can write these down. With the touch of God comes the presence of God. His presence becomes obvious. Now, I know theologically we believe that God's with us. I, I, my question is, do people know that he's with us? I know that theologically, yeah, he's here. Bible says he's with me. Never leave me forsake me. As a matter of fact, when he called the disciples together and said, we're going to ask you to, to, to go to all the world and teach my name and present the gospel and make disciples and baptize them in my name. And don't be afraid because I will be with you. And I promise you it was very obvious that Jesus was with those disciples. Is it obvious he's with us as a church, as a people? Is it obvious? And so the thing is, if he's got his touch, his hand on me, then I will experience the reality of his presence. It'll be obvious. And his presence is with us. In the days of blessing or barrenness, storm or sunshine, progress or pain, his presence is with us. I don't have to worry about that. He's there. It's obvious. He's getting me through. He's giving me strength. When I face things I don't know how to face on my own, whether it's uh, uh, going through that time of a loss of a loved one or the, or, or the tragedy of a disease, God's presence shows up and next thing you know, I, I'm strengthened beyond my own ability. Amen. I'm empowered. See, that's what's got to happen. That's the touch of God. When people look at you and say, how did you get through that? You say, let me tell you, I, I can't explain it. So God just got me through. He was there. He encouraged and supported and strengthened and empowered. So we understand that his, his presence is with us. His presence goes with us no matter where we are. I had the privilege of, uh, of being, uh, uh, after our, the convention, I, I took some vacation. And uh, Charlene, who is brilliant, at, she loves to save money. She's great on finding deals. And, and uh, she just really hates to spend a lot of money. So she looks and finds these last-minute things. And, and she found a great deal. Uh, uh, to go to Mexico for like $700 for the week. And it was like, seven, you know, that was food and everything. It was just, you know, it was great. So it was just a, we said, okay, we'll do that. And so going there was It was a wonderful place, about an hour uh, uh, south of the airport in Cancun. And, and uh, uh, it, was a, it was a very nice place. We had, uh, there were some guys that sit, uh, they were responsible for like 20 rooms. And they were there to help you make reservations for restaurants and, and take care of you on the, on the premises and whatever you needed. And they were there to help you and, and, uh, and get, get, get transportation lined up for you to go from one building to another through shuttles and all that kind of stuff. And so it was neat. We had a ball It was great yeah, they, they, they they Of course, they, they're so nice to you and treat you well, and that's good. And so we, we'd go by and talk to them all the time. How you doing, how's your day, man? It's great. And man, You guys are doing great for us, thank you. And, and uh, I went down to sit down and talk to one of them and make some reservations for uh, for us to eat the next couple of nights. And and so uh, he had a guy he was training named Alfredo. Now Alfredo was sitting there and and, uh, and they're, they're, he's talking to my wife. And they're carrying this conversation and I'm not really paying attention to it because I'm focused on, on Sergio here and we're talking and doing our thing. So anyway, uh, it's, we're talking and so... Uh, finally, Charlene pokes me and says, he has said to me, they've been talking about it, I don't know how long, he has said to me that his family is Jehovah's Witness, but he is not a Jehovah's Witness. He says, I believe that's right. He believes that all paths lead to God. And I realized that was my cue to say something. That's why she poked me. Okay, and so I... I stopped talking to Sergio and I looked over to Alfredo and I said, I think that it's great that your mind is open to find truth. Let me share something with you I want you to consider. Now, these guys are working. I realize we ain't got much time. They're supposed to be doing the job, and and people are kind of coming and going to talk to them, and so I, I don't want to get them in trouble. I said, so I want you to consider something very carefully for a minute. As you seem to be open to finding the way or looking at different ways, I want you to look at the person of Jesus Christ. And we talked for a few minutes about what Jesus said about he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to follow by him. I said, it's not being in any kind of denomination said, I applaud you for not uh, holding on to denomination or religious structure. I-, I applaud you for trying to find truth. And so we talked a little bit and he was listening and, and, and I shared a little bit about what that meant, the truth was, who Jesus was and what he said. And, and the guy just was soaking it up. And the guy next to him was also listening and everything stopped. And then I kind of got through and I said what I needed to say and and the man looked at me and he said, would you pray for us? And it caught me off guard from him. I'm kind of like, do I? He said, would you pray for us? Sure. I said, well, I'll just pray, you know. These two men stood up in honor of prayer, bowed their heads in front of all these people that were waiting getting waited on and waited for me to pray. I was moved. That they had such honor and respect, and, I, and, I, and the one who started was Sergio, and I, I believe he was a Christian. We talked for a while. Uh, they had such honor and respect for God, and for God they found out was a preacher. They found out that it was just respect. I thought, you know, we don't have that in our country. We've lost that sense of who God really is, how awesome He is, how much He's honoring. I mean, they stopped. I was a little concerned because I know they're supposed to work. I'm going, man, I don't want you guys in trouble. And we prayed, asked God to minister to them, bless them, but also to reveal truth to Alfredo and to let his will be made known. Because I believe God does say, you know, the word's been planted. God can take over very well now and do it. Touch of God. I'm insignificant now to that. That doesn't matter. God's what matters. And so uh, I went back up to the room, said amen. And of course they were, oh, gracias, gracias, thank you. And you And it was kind of a great moment. And, boy, we had also built this, built this amazing relationship with, with these guys. And I went back up the room. Charlene said, go give me your Bible. I had got a little Bible I brought to kind of read, to read, travel with. And uh, brand new, just had got it. And, uh, and so I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I went and got the Bible, and I had a faith track, and I put it in there. And I came back down, and I said, i pray afraid this is a gift from me to you. Gift, gift, just a gift, gift me to you. Gave it to him, and, and uh, I said, I want you to read this. There's some verses here that I want you to read and, and, and share, and, and uh, he was very gracious. Now, I've trusted him to God. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I know God's presence is in Mexico. I ain't got to worry about that, because God's God. He loves Alfredo as much as he loves me. He loves you. He, he won't, it's his will that none perish. That means those people in Mexico. And they're looking for truth. And so I, I, I say, God, your presence here. The touch of God is so real, people. You've got to understand it's the touch of God that makes things work. It's not our ability. It's not, you know, the stuff we bring to the table. It's what we allow God to do in us and through us for his glory that matters. And sometimes we get caught up in the, so the wrong stuff and we miss the touch of God. So the presence of God will be with us. But then there's the power of God that must certainly be upon us. He said that God's going to empower you to, to win three battles. And you'll take back what was taken from you. And that's what happened if you read further in the scripture. And so the power of God, there's the touch of God's power. The touch of God's power. When God's hand is on your life, there is a spiritual power that is flowing from you to others. The power to witness, the power in prayer, the power to minister to people flows from through you to other people. It is the power of God. It's not your power. It's not my power. Uh, It is God's power working through us as we keep our lives right with him, in harmony with him. In obedience to Him, His power works through us to accomplish His will and purpose. So I find that His power is ever at work. Opening doors and creating opportunities and even giving solutions today We're in need of God's power to work amazingly in our country. We've got so many problems We don't know where to start as a matter of fact. I don't think anybody knows where to start and I tragically Nobody's asking for God's intervention not the Democrats not the Republicans not the left and not the right We're all kind of thinking we're gonna fix this somehow and in the Gulf Coast. They're looking to uh, The president for the solution. He's not the solution Man, I'd be having prayer meetings all over the Gulf Coast and God, send somebody in here to fix this thing. There needs to be a touch of God. We've become so independent in our own abilities that we have shut God out of our lives. And tragically, many churches have done the same thing. We think because we have the building we like, the programs we like, the staff we like, that we've got it made. We aren't worth a dime without the touch of God. Nothing is valuable without God's touch. Man, you really and so we realize here's here's what's gotta happen. There has to be the desire for God's touch that there may be a power that's operating in our lives to win the war spiritually, to defeat sin in your life personally, and publicly working in our lives to make a transformational difference in the lives of those around us. It has to be a touch of God. His touch is everybody's power. You know. God opens doors amazingly and does things, you know, we, we were having a great time, relaxing. We decided we'd go work out. Uh, we worked out uh, eh, uh, three or four times, uh, which was pretty good. But so we were trying to, you know, maintain good stewardship for our bodies. So we went to the gym and worked out. Uh, the first day there, we were working out, and, and all of a sudden I heard this horrendous noise to my left, down about four machines, and it was Charlene falling off one of the machines. She was on a, a ecliptic an machine and, and just fell off. You know, she was going faster than it was and threw her off, and, and uh, I looked over, and the guy next to her already got down and tried to help her, and, you know, she's on the floor, and, and she was doing good, she, but she was hurting, and, uh, you know, they called the paramedic in. We didn't need the paramedic. No, no, we're fine. She does this all the time. No, 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 no. Go back, go back. We don't need you. No, 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 no. No, no, don't send me a bill. Don't send me a bill. No, no, we don't need a paramedic. And, uh, you know, but, but uh, you know, we're sitting there, and, and the, but the guy was really great to help her. And so we begin to talk. I got to know him and talk with him and met his wife. And so that was kind of neat. So uh, uh, later on uh, in the pool, we saw them. And so I just go over and say, hey, to me. He says, hey, man, how's you feeling? How's the leg? Oh, it's great. And it's fine. You know, we put ice on it. She's doing great. And and so we begin to talk and I sit down next to him and 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 I said, man, tell me about you. He said, well, we're down here, you know, uh, one year anniversary and we're great and and talking about things. And and I said, well, we've been married 36 years and it's been awesome. He said, really, man, that's awesome. He said, That's great. Uh, uh, What do you do now here? I told you, I said, look, we're going to go down there. I'm not going to tell anyone I'm a pastor at first because the minute I do, they don't want to talk to me. So I'm going to say I'm, I counsel and talk to people and give you know, kind of a spiritual life coach. And, and then I'll come around to the pastor once I get it going. So she said, OK. So sure enough, the guys asked, I said, well, you know, I, I do a lot of counseling, marriage counseling and, and uh, kind of a life coach thing, you know. And, and uh, he said, really? He said, well, help me out because I've been married a year and I wanted to work. And so we started talking. He said, what is it? What is it I need? that'll make my marriage work. He said, I've had a marriage that's failed. My wife's had a marriage that's failed. What do we need? I said, okay, here's what we need. I said, let me tell you a couple of things you might want to read. But, and then I finally said, but let me tell you what's really important is the spiritual dimension of your relationship. And I began to talk about what it meant to have a, a personal relationship with Christ and so forth and so on. And he said, he looked at me and said, tell me what you do again for a living. <laughs> and I said... I actually do a lot of counseling, but that's because I'm a pastor. And I do a lot of counseling, and I try to coach people in their spiritual life. And so we talked for a while. He had a lot of questions. Uh, and uh, he, he talked about different things. He was involved in church and uh, indicated he was a Christian. I, I hope that he was. We, we, you know, uh, he seemed to say the right things. But he said, my wife's not a Christian. And uh, what do I do? And we talked for a long time. Well, in the meantime, Charlene was down there talking to her. I said, God, here's the power of God. Here in a place where people have come to basically escape from everything, I get to talk to this guy for an hour and a half about you. That's a God thing. That's not, you know, That's uh, just God opens the door, makes it happen, and you think that's the power of God as he begins to minister. This man wanted my email. We're going to probably communicate and talk about a lot of things. God opened the door. The touch of God that seems to make something out of Nothing create opportunities that you don't see coming as they line up. But not only there's a the power of God, there's a the purpose of God at work when His touches on your life. You're seeing His purpose lived out in you and, and through you for others. And that's very important, the purpose of God. We are a people called to fulfill and be a part of His purpose for our lives. We don't live as an end to ourselves. We live for the glory of God, the kingdom of God. Therefore, His purpose becomes paramount in our lives. We must Say, Lord, what is your purpose for me, and how do I live out that purpose daily? And I need your touch to do that because I'm weak on my own, I'm incapable on my own, I'm unable on my own. So if I'm going to fulfill your purpose, it must take a supernatural touch from above to help me live down here below. And so we, we, we must desire that, that his purpose may be fulfilled. So I, I watch and say, okay, God, what, what can we do for your purpose today? Well, my purpose is obviously to be a witness, first and foremost, to share the gospel no matter where I'm at. And, uh, you know, whoever I may see. And I have had a chance. Listen, I had a chance to talk to people. It's amazing. There, there is a, There's this interest and concern for people that want to know something of what is truth. And so you get to talk to people. Man, I had a ball talking to people. And um, on our way back, vacation's over and we'd had a great time and relaxed and ate well and been fun and talked to some people. and Enjoyed our time together. Uh, we had connecting flights, which was somewhat of a disaster because we were we missed one flight because of customs and and uh, we're going well. You know it's okay. We've had you know we just get on another flight and and I'm you know I'm thinking okay Lord you must want us to fly this flight because this plane must be going to crash. <laughs> yeah, anyways that's kind I think you know uh, and because uh, I don't like flying anyway. And so I'm thinking, God, this is kind of what we're doing. But anyway, so anyway, I, I'm okay with that. And, uh, but it is a time crunch. I ended up getting about 1130 last night was all said and done. But um supposed to get about 730. But anyway, so we got on another flight. And, and uh, so it's okay. Everything's fine. We're excited about coming from Orlando. We had to fly from Cancun to Orlando to Atlanta. And so now we're, 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 we're okay. And we get back there and there's a lady says, look, there's five of us traveling. I've got two children that are sitting up there toward the front of the plane would you mind swapping seats that they could sit back here with us? Well, she was, yeah, man, well, that's great. Your family needs to be together. I can understand that. And so we'll be glad to do that. And Charlene's kind of thinking, well, said Tim, you know that there's three on the side, three seats. When I mean, you've got to sit beside somebody and you don't, you know, I kind of like to zone out and relax and not talk much on the plane. But anyway, uh, she says, uh, I said, that's okay, it's fine. I'll be all right. So we go down there and tra- swap seats and, and there's a lady sitting there and she's on the outside aisle, and, and so I get over there next to the window, and Charlene sits down, and, and uh, we're just kind of there saying, hey, you know, and, and thank you for letting us sit next to you, and all this kind of stuff, and, and, and I noticed she's reading a book for women who, who love too much, which told me something automatically, okay, she's trying to work through something, and so, and Charlene started commenting about the book, and, and we're just talking, and, and finally she's sharing, yeah, I'm just struggling in my own personal life, and uh, you know, it's just been tough and, and, uh, so, well, you know, uh, I talk to people a lot who struggle and I understand struggle is very real, but there's always hope and, 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 and you don't have to live in defeat and, uh, and abuse and so on. So uh, then she said something and we, I'm talking, we have sat down, maybe it's been three minutes and, and all of a sudden by five to six minutes, she says, tell me. What I need to do. I don't know this lady. And I'm thinking, okay. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What are you looking for? I mean, really, what are you looking for? And she began to cry. She says, I don't know. I don't know. And she began to cry. I'm going, wow. All right. And at that point, I said, Let me tell you about relationships. And I talked about the different dimensions of relationships the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, all that kind of stuff. And I said, But the most important is the spiritual. And I believe there's always hope, no matter how bad the failure, if you deal with the spiritual. There's a God formed vacuum in your life that can only be filled by Him, it cannot be filled by the the people in your life and then I said you know you've just gone to Mexico and you've probably had a really good time you think but it still hasn't satisfied your emptiness and you've you know and I thought you know Jesse had a marriage that hasn't worked that hasn't satisfied your emptiness. she says I've been married three times I'm thinking man this is like John four all over again okay God, right, you know let's marry the Samaritan woman and, and so I, I said well okay let me t- here's the deal there's a void in your life that only Christ can fill and until that's filled you're not going to really have That deep soul satisfaction. You may have moments that'll be good. But you keep looking for that fulfillment in all the wrong people and places. Man, she began to cry. I thought, Lord, I ain't never seen like this. So she's crying, and at that point I'm letting Charlene take over. And I'm, you know, and I'm listening to them talk, and Charlene's sharing her testimony, how she come to know Christ. And she had a necklace on with her favorite Bible verse on it and the back of it. And she took it off and gave this lady and she's sharing with the faith pamphlet. And this lady's soaking it in, man. She's just like a sponge. I looked out into the sky through that little bitty window they give in an airplane. And I'm looking out at the clouds and I begin to cry. I just did. I said, Lord, how much you love this woman that you would put us on this flight, that things would go to the point that didn't work quick, we couldn't, everything was late, everything was off, they unloaded the wrong plane and all this kind of stuff, that we would end up here and you would actually have our seats exchanged. and we'd sit next to this woman because your purpose for her today was to hear the gospel. Guys, the touch of God is very real. We're nothing without it. I am nothing without it. I am absolutely fruitless and useless without the touch of God in my life. I know that. But so are you. And I don't know about you, but I have this desire God, I need your touch on my life that I may not miss these opportunities. There's so many. And I'm afraid I have missed them at times past. And I, 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 I've messed up at times past and I've not been as sharp because I've been not paying attention to the touch of God. I've missed more times than I've hit but I watched her lead this lady to a transforming decision and I'm excited about that. Man, she hugged my wife and they were excited and it was incredible. And she began to talk and I watched God work. His touch. His touch. Please hear me. It is a touch of God that really matters. All the other stuff we think is so important doesn't matter in eternity. The touch of God is what enhances our marriage to be fulfilling the touch of God is what takes a church and empowers it to bring light into the darkness it is the touch of God that will preserve a nation's integrity and freedom it is the touch of God that brings fulfillment and soul satisfaction to our lives and nothing short of that will really do what about you have you experienced the touch of salvation and transformation in your life? Has that really happened to you? Has there been a moment in time, a defining moment, when your Christ came to be a part of your life, became your Savior and Lord, and it's changed your life? If not, then you've missed the touch of God. I, I pray that you'd respond to that touch of grace today and that touch of love, that you'd give Him your heart and experience the touch of God and be saved, have your sins forgiven, and begin a brand new life in Christ. How about as believers, is the touch of God really on your life? Or have you become kind of indifferent and cold to what God's trying to do in your life? Maybe even living disobediently. And you need to renew yourself and say, God, I need your touch on my life again, your touch of, of purpose and power and presence in my life. I need to yield to you. I need forgiveness of my sin. I need surrender of my will once again that your touch may be evident in my life. Is this touch on your life? If not, do something about it today. Don't waste another day. Don't miss another opportunity. Would you bow your heads with the Heads bowed and eyes closed.